Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Chris Rydell, actor and now podcast host, I guess. Um, that guy you've seen on a million TV shows and movies, but you still do not know my name. And I'm David Allen Bache, actor and sometimes producer. And you also recognize me from lots of films and TV shows, but you probably couldn't name one of them right now if I paid you to. The two of us and our guests are going to let you in on some secrets on how to make it as an actor and share some private stories from the many movies and TV shows that we've worked on. That's right. We're going to interview a special guest each week, and we'll get their best advice and wisdom for you about how to break into this business and how to stay in it. And yes, again, there will be stories, stories, stories. So let's get to it. This is Confessions of a Working Actor. What's going on? Chris, here we are. Here we are again. Life is good. Life is okay. good. I'm so happy that people have been digging the podcast so far, and these early episodes have been a ball, just a ball to do. Really exciting. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, people are calling me, going to listen to this and listen to that, listen yeah, to Richard yeah. Kind. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, David uh, DeLuise uh, got a bunch of friends who are like, ah, he was great. And yeah, great, he's a great guest today. I'm very excited about her. But you and I were talking earlier, and we we both were thinking like, oh, let's let, maybe let's just talk for a minute about something that's been that we've been watching, either television or film or theater or something we've been watching that that actors would love. And we both came out with the exact same thing at the same time. Which the patient. Is the patient. Wow. Uh, I, I, what really bothers me is that it's only 30 minutes. I, well, and I it's amazing. I got to wait for like another week. I'm so like... And that's, uh, shorter, and, and that's shorter than my usual therapy sessions, which is, you know... Right. right. I mean, it, it should be 50 minutes, It should right? be 50 like, minutes. And at the end, Steve Carell should say, well, we're out of time, right? I mean, that's, you know... But, I mean, his performance and the young guy whose name escapes me... Don, Don Mel, Don. I think... Yeah, yeah. Gleason. Gleason? Gleason, Yeah. I mean, the yeah, two he's of them terrific. Are, oh, two of them are fantastic. Just spectacular performances. I'm just on the edge of my seat. Yeah. And uh, I want to say, watching Steve Carell, I've always liked him. Great actor and very funny. But this is some of the best dramatic work he's ever done. And, and he's so still and such a good listener. And, of course, as a therapist, you know, you would want him to be a good listener. But, but an actor might not necessarily do that but he's listening so still he's so still when he listens and he's not trying to show us that he's listening he's just really listening less is more that's it it's a great reminder for actors that less yeah. is more except in this case where you do in stand-up comedy then more is more and more is definitely more yeah and yeah 
And we have a little and, bit of a a little bit of a, a different focus today. Uh, we have an actor with us, certainly kind of classically trained actor. We'll talk about that in a minute. But our guest this week is Sonia Vai, and she is an actor and stand-up comedian. Sonia's done the New York Comedy Festival, which is, uh, I think New York Times said was one of the top five shows to watch. She's featured for comedian Judah Friedlander, Crazy Woke Asians, a comedy show featuring Sonia and a few other funny Asian comedians, I guess. Had sold-out shows in L.A. at the world-famous Comedy Store, Comedy Chateau, the Ice House, the Laugh Factory. I mean, she's she's really been everywhere and done it all. And, and one sure. of the hardest-working stand-up comedians I've ever met, honestly— Every time I want to see her, or my wife and I try to get together with her, she's like, I have a show, I have a show, I have a show, I have a show, I have a show. It's like, ah, 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 12, 1, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., I have a show, I have a show, I have a show. And that's, you know what, that's how you get it done. That's Sonia giggling in the in the background. So, Chris, should we skip the rest of the intro, just get her in? Let's do it. Let's just get her in here. Please welcome Sonia Vai. Hi, guys. <laughs> hi, hi, Sonia. Thank welcome. you so much for that intro. That was welcome, really welcome. Welcome. <laughs> so good to be You know, I love in some other intros of you on the uh, worldwide interwebs the, there's, uh, that you were born and raised in New York City, but you're constantly being asked, where are you really from? By drunk men in bars. <laughs> and I love that. Did you write that line? I did. That actually uh, happened to me a lot in college, believe mm. it or not, so much in college, you know, because I guess I, I'm not white or black. And uh, and it just was this thing where they're just like, where, where are you really from? Uh, and I, at one point, I'm just like, my mom's vagina. OK, that's where I'm really from. <laughs> if you must know. Okay. <laughs> the we're ratings, all from the same place. Yeah, the rating, the ratings the just went up, everyone. The ratings <laughs> on the podcast just went up. We said the word vagina and the ratings. Ratings went through the roof, <laughs> and you uh, uh, you said I'm not I'm not black or white, and uh, rather than me say what color are you, which would yeah, be like the yeah. old school comic thing to do, I'll just also say another thing that I, I read that I think you may have written is that although you're of South Asian descent, you have a culturally diverse face and are often mistaken for a terrorist. I that used to happen all the time. <laughs> and I, it's great though. There's a lot of work for terrorists in yeah, oh, in, yeah. in film and television. So I love That's it. It's probably right. It's probably more work for you guys, the terrorists. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows than, than for us. Who knows? Where well, Chris and I are both stale, male, and pale. Um, <laughs> that's what they officially call us in the business now. But uh, you know, we're doing okay. We're doing all right. I think there's room for everybody. I I should think I should think so. I I read that you had gone to the Stella Adler Conservatory. I did. I did. I actually did the evening program because my my son did the same. He did. My son went there like 12 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, and was in the evening program. Yeah. And my mother actually started the Stella Adler Conservatory with Stella. Joanne Linville. I don't know if you'd like. Yes, I remember that name. Yeah. But um, that's incredible. I, I heard such great stories from the teachers. Like we had this one teacher, she told us about how. Because I guess Marlon Brando was there too, and how Stella, he wasn't. I guess he wasn't doing a great job in that particular role and during, you know, in the classes or whatever. And then at one moment, I think she tells him to go out of the room, and he comes back in, and she's naked, 
completely naked. <laughs> and I was just like, wait, what, like, way to go the extra mile to get the performance you want from the actor, <laughs> from Marlon Brando of all people. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was a great story. I, I was lucky enough to take a couple classes with her in, in LA. Wow. That's awesome. I, I, That's incredible. She, I forgot to take my hat off. I was wearing a hat when I was introduced to her, and she never liked me. She never was <laughs> nice to me after that. Oh. And she told my mother he didn't even take his hat off when he <laughs> met me. Wow. I was like 17. I was like, what? Take my hat off? What? I didn't even realize I needed to take my uh, hat you, off. You got schooled. You got schooled. I totally Adler. got I totally yeah. got I, I mean, that, I really did. That's a great honor. That's a great honor to be schooled by Stella Adler. I think I did the prologue from Henry V, and, she, and I was on stage, and she came up and, like, grabbed my hands and put them behind my back because I was like, my whole thing was, like, hands flying in the air. She was like... <laughs> You know, like, son, you don't need to use your hands so much. Make the the words need to mean everything. You know? I, I had you know a director do that to me, too. Yeah. He made me put my hands in my pockets. And then when I when I kept taking them out of my pockets, he got a broomstick. And I was hunched over. I was, like, trying to hide on stage, you know. <laughs> and, and so he got a broomstick. And it sounds like torture, but it wasn't. And he made me put my arms out, almost like a crucifixion. And he taped the broomstick to my wrists and my arms. And I had to walk around like scarecrow. Yeah, I had to just, I couldn't move my arms at all. And, you know, and then at one point I started wandering with my feet. And he was like, ugh. No, like, this what did kid, they, this, this kid, kid, where did he study? This, what did they teach you at Emerson College? <laughs> Jesus. Yes. So he got sandbags uh, off some of the scenery and put them <laughs> over my feet. He put them over my sneakers. He's like, don't move. Say the lines. Don't use your arms. Don't use your feet. And it was a great lesson. That was Lonnie Price. It was a great it's lesson. It's not easy. It's not easy to do. Mm-mm. Yeah. That's, that's what just... we were so what we were talking about earlier, um, Sonia, we were talking about the patient with Steve Carell and um, how still he is and how wonderful his performance he is. And I heard that. it's an amazing show, and I can't wait to check it out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm behind on my on my TV watching. That's so. all right. We'll, we'll, it'll, only yeah. take an, it'll take an hour and a half to get through the, the yeah. uh, three episodes. They're, they're short. Oh, that's yeah. great. So, yeah. so, so you also took some classes and trained at uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, which is uh, world famous for improv and yes, comedy. Yes, I did the improv classes there. And I think the thing I learned when I was at UBC is that I, uh, UCB, sorry, is that uh, I don't love improv. Mm. You know, I, I've, and I've watched a lot of it too. And I think it can either be absolutely amazing or terrible. Mm. Like it's just, there's no middle ground. And it's just not not something I just remember I would say no all the time. <laughs> like I wouldn't do the yes and <laughs> just like no and kill the kill the entire <laughs> scene. And no. that's when I learned that, you know, stand up is better because improv is yes and and stand up is no but. And it was just more suited for me to because I just have that, you mm. know, sarcasm and I want to say no to everything. So it Stand up just happened to be the thing that that landed and and worked for me. So well, that's great because and great to know because great for an actor to know, right? Great for anyone who's a performer mm-hmm. to have a feeling of, oh, wait a minute, I I'm drawn to this. Let me follow that as opposed to struggling with what people in the business tell you you should be doing. That's that's uh, that's great advice. You You may not have realized it, but. You know, uh, sometimes you have to say no, but, and we always say, no, it's yes and, it's collaborative, it's yes and, yeah. and sometimes you have to follow your feelings about what 
part of this business you want to be in or what you want to do. And there's value to learning other aspects of it. But um, I respect that. No, but I respect that. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Something just clicked. And it was, it's, you know, I haven't looked back since. So I really do love what I do. And I feel like this is my calling. And uh, I love making people laugh. You know, mm. it's, it's great to do that. And you can be your, like the, the great thing about stand up, I think, is you can be yourself, right? You are the writer of your story. So I get to write the words and then I get to play them out on stage. And it's a lot of fun. And there is, I think in, in, it's more, more similar to theater in the sense that you get the direct feedback. Mm. How did you get started doing comedy? Okay, so that's that's a great question. I it was an accident actually. It was a yeah. So I I moved to LA uh, because I wanted to give acting a chance, like full time, right? So mm -hmm. I'm doing all these like non-union short films, student films from USC, UCLA, and all those all those things. And I was very frustrated because after I think being there for a year or two, like I, I just wasn't getting the roles that I wanted. I wasn't getting good auditions, you know, doing so many casting director workshops. And my neighbor was a stand-up and I used to go to the comedy store to watch him. And one day I was just having a meltdown. Like it was him and his roommate. He was a writer uh, at AFC at the time. And I was just, I was, I was bawling and I was just like, I can't do this, you know? And he's like, you should be a comedian. You should think about that. You're really funny. And I looked at him and I was like, I'm a thespian. <laughs> just... <I'm> classically trained. <laughs> and, and then he just kept saying it to me and he was like, you're really funny. I don't think you know it. And I didn't, you know, because in school, I wasn't the class clown. I was very shy or I talked too much, like it was one or the other. And then he just said it so many times. And finally, he said, I want you to take a class. Just take one acting class. And if you don't like it, I will pay for it. So I thought, mm -hmm. okay, what do I have to lose, right? So I went and I took a class at Flappers, which is a comedy club in Burbank, and the second I got on stage, like the mic was in my hand and we're not even trying to be funny. We just had to talk about our day or something like that. And the class was cracking up and it's just like something clicked. Like I was like, oh, wow, this is, this might be something, there might be something mm -hmm. there. So, you know, it was, it was a complete, complete surprise. Like I didn't grow up watching stand up. I grew up in an Indian home. My parents watched Indian movies. You know, it, it was not something that I grew up with, which is, the case for many comedians, I believe. That immediate feedback is pretty nice. Yes. You know, being on yes. stage, you know. I it's, mean, you either live or die, right? But either right, way. Right, but that's, you know, this is life. This is know? life, yeah. Tell us about maybe a your favorite experience on stage that you've had. Wow. And you've been um, all and you've been all over. Right? I mean, you New York yes. Comedy Club, Gotham, Caroline's. I know you you I know you've done like national comedy tours, but did, am I right that you just got back from your first European comedy I tour? I did. I did. It was incredible. Uh, yeah, I did comedy awesome. in uh, London, uh, Paris and Barcelona. And wow. it was great experience. I mean, London of course was the best because they're English speaking countries, so <laughs> there's just more opportunity, but it was incredible. And you don't know how it's going to be, right? I, I wasn't sure, will my jokes translate? You know, how is, is the is the culture of comedy similar there? I don't know. And I just, I, I did it. And it was, 
it was a little bit, it was overwhelming in the beginning, but I loved it. And actually mm. one of my favorite shows that I did uh, this year, at least, was in London. They have a comedy club there called the Top Secret Comedy Club. And it's sort of like the equivalent of the Comedy Cellar here. Right. But it's much bigger. Like they're there. They have two rooms and the one room is 150 people. The bottom, the downstairs is about 350. And, you know, the guy didn't know me. And, and I had a referral, sort of a friend of mine, you know, said, hey, give her some stage time. He only gave me five minutes mm. the first day. He gave me five minutes upstairs and downstairs. But I crushed. And so yeah. then he had me back for five more days. And yeah. then I had proper spots, you know, two spots a night. And it was incredible. Yeah, there was a there was a moment. One of those shows, I was downstairs. It was a packed house, like 350 people. And it's just that, that energy. You know, it's like I'm having a conversation almost. It's such mm. an intimate. Even though there were 350 people there, it felt so intimate because I'm talking and they're reacting. And it was it's just. It's it's magical. I think mm. when it really goes well, there's there's a magic that I feel, mm. and the most recent place that happened was in London. So that's great. That's bloody great. Now here's a question. <laughs> here's a question though. What happens when it doesn't go well, right? So we've talked to, you know, most of the the performers we talk to, we ask this question, and it may be a little bit of a different answer from you as a stand up which is part of why we were so interested in talking to you. So sometimes we ask, not sometimes, all the time we ask guests, did you ever want to give up? Did you ever have an experience that made you want to give up? And, and if you didn't, why not? So did you ever have a show that you just bombed so badly or someone said something to you or you were heckled so badly where you were like, I'm not getting back up on stage? And obviously you have, but do you have a, a memory yes, about that? Yes, absolutely. There was a time where I was on stage and I got booed. It wasn't just silence. Oh. I literally got booed. And it shook me to my core. <laughs> yeah. But I was up there and I had to finish. I couldn't just, I didn't, I chose not to just stop and address them because I knew in that moment, like a lot of times comics may do that, but in that moment, I'm, you're like, I was so filled with negative emotion that I was like, if I stop, I'm just going to yell at these people and then mm. I'm going to alienate the rest of the audience, right? Mm. And th this was probably about 100 people in the, in the room and it was this one table where they were drunk and they were just heckling every single comic. Uh. And then by the time I got up there, at one point, they just started booing me. And I guess I got lucky because no one noticed when I got off stage, I, the other comedians didn't notice that I was a wreck up there. Mm. So that that's good. And I think that can't, that only happened because of experience. I just plowed through my material and got off stage. And I remember I went into the bathroom and I almost started crying. I, I just ran into the bathroom and I was like, I don't even want to stay. I don't want to stay to the end of the show. I don't, I don't want to meet people. I don't want to say anything. And it just was this roller coaster where I was just high and then boom, I came so low. And it, I was just like, I should never do this again. This is not something I, you know, but I mm. do that all the time. Comics do that all the time. You have a bad set, you go home at night, you're like, yeah, I'm done. I'm retiring. And then you get up right. the next day and you do it again. So it's, right. it's really, <laughs> it's funny because I probably, I've quit this career, you know, thousands of times. <laughs> and yet... <laughs> Yeah, we've heard that and from other we've heard that from other actors. You know, we say, "Have you ever wanted to give up?" And you know, uh, I think it was Richard Kind who said, well, "Only every day." Yes, exactly. You know, twice a day. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to pop the question. 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So well, All these experiences that you're having, you know, you kind of need to have. You need to have that happen as a comedian Next time it happens, you're okay. You know, right. I can plow through my material. That happened to me before. Yeah. Tell us maybe something that you wish you had known when you started that you know now. I wish I wish I had uh, known to trust myself more because I think when, when I started, and I, I'm sure this is true for most performers, there's so many people who give you unsolicited advice. And when you're new, especially just being a woman in comedy, I had so many men tell me things like, you should smile more on stage or you shouldn't be so mean, you know, or don't do that impression of your father. It's hack, like things mm. like that. And it, and it gets to you when you're newer because you don't know, you don't know what the rules are. And there really aren't any rules, right? There, There's one rule in comedy, make the audience laugh. You know, be be surprising and and yet inevitable, right? That's same. That's the same thing with storytelling. And I think when I was, uh, especially like my first couple of years in comedy, I I was just, I, I just wanted to get it right, you know. And and that's that's who I was as a kid too. That's who I was growing up. Like I always wanted to get the A. I wanted to get right. I wanted to be the perfect student. And so when people gave me advice that was probably not great for me, I would just say, oh yeah, maybe I should do that. I should be better. You know, just ha having that uh, need to want to please people. Mm. I think I had that a lot. And and over the years I've learned like that you have to let that go and, and it will never serve you if you try to please everyone, right? That there's a phrase, you try to please everyone, you please nobody, mm -hmm. no one or something like that. So yeah, that, that would be the advice I would give to any new comedian is trust yourself. This is, this is a process where, and if you do want to get advice, go to a place where you, you feel comfortable, where you are respect maybe, you know, the comedian, where if you're, you're asking them a question and they give you an answer, you feel like, okay, that's somebody who's willing to help me. Like, I think there are a lot of comedy coaches that might do that. If you have a mentor uh, who's a comedian who's done well, who really cares about your, you know, your career, not so much. They just want to tell you what they want to tell you. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. great advice. It is good advice. You know, there, there, yeah. there is only one Sonia Vi. Yeah, exactly. you know, there's only one. <laughs> thank right. God. Yeah, right? Thank God. That's true. <laughs> and, and by the way, I yeah. I loved your uh, impersonation of your father. Oh, thank you. you. Know, like, thank you. <laughs> I yes, love it too. I do but too. I had to grow to love it because I remember once some comedian told me it was hack, and it stayed in my head for a year or two. So. Mm. 
That's the thing is people will give you advice. You just have to not take it. Yeah, that's well, you got to know when when to take when it, when to not take to take it. it. That's right. Exactly. And exactly. from and consider the source, right? Are, is it coming from someone who works a lot? Is it coming from, coming from someone who doesn't work and who's the same type as you and wishes they were working more and you're working more, right? There's some jealousy exactly. in our business sometimes. You never know. Yeah. And that's actually a good segue into into the next question, which is, you know, as I mentioned, I, for all the time I've known you, you work incredibly hard at your craft and I respect it immensely. And so what does it mean to you to be a working actor, to be a working performer, to be a working stand-up? What does it, what does that phrase mean to you? I mean, that's, that's a really great question. I think for me, it's, it's, it's my process is I just sort of throw myself into it and then I just do, because if I don't, let's say, you know, you, you talk about how many, how many shows I do. And it's like, I almost feel like if I don't do it, I'm not, a, I'm not a working comedian, mm. which is, which is not true. Right. And to be honest, I've been doing this for a long time. And this summer was the first summer where I actually took some time off. And it was so hard because I just felt conflicted. Like, am I a comedian if I'm not getting on stage every night? Mm. And I finally come to the place now in my career where I was like, yes, I am. I'm funny. You know, I don't, I don't question it anymore. I think you question it for so long. Even as a comedian, I'm sure people question it for your, like we can question it for our entire careers, mm. but I, I really needed a break when I got back from Europe. I had just been going and going and going and I finally decided just to take, you know, a month off, right? That's it. Just one month. And it was the first few days. I was like, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was <laughs> just like, I, I don't, why am I not at a club? Like it was foreign mm-hmm. to me to be out on a Friday night and, and not be working. And I remember going out to dinner with friends and I was like, oh, this is what, this is what normal people do. <laughs> <laughs> Civilians. That's right. Civilians. And I was yeah. like, I'd rather be at a club right now, but I need this I get time that. off. So. I have, I have trouble with vacation sometimes. You know, my wife and I are both actors and, and on occasion, if we have a planned vacation, but I haven't been working before that vacation, I beat up on myself. I'm like, oh, am I allowed to take a vacation? Like, shouldn't I be honing my craft, reading more scripts, like doing more auditions? Yeah. Like, shouldn't I, and why should I relax? If I relax, will it get away from me? That kind of thing. I, I, I really relate to that. And um, I also relate to the fact that that's simply not true, that in all the years I've been doing this, when I do take a vacation, when I do have some self-care, when I do put everything away for, you know, a day, a week, a month, if, we're, if I'm lucky, but I'm better for it and I'm stronger for it and I have perspective and calm and peace and energy and I come back better. So that's, yeah. you know, good for people to hear you know, even someone who who works as hard as you uh, manages to take Thank a little you. time off. So I'm I, I I know your wife very well, Alicia, and she works very hard, and so do you. So I wow. I look up to you. I feel like I I really do. I, I I get my work ethic from a little bit from you guys. You guys wow. are pretty incredible. But it's what you said before. Sometimes less is more, right? Yeah. Yep. But not so. the not the compliment you just gave me. We got that on tape, right, Chris? We got that. <laughs> yeah, we did get that on tape. <laughs> Sonia, we were talking about, you know, being able to work as much as you do. As, as a, a comedian, you get to go on stage every day, you mm-hmm. know. You, every night you're working your craft in a way. And as an actor, it doesn't happen that often. Being that you get as much time on stage, maybe you could share with our listeners like a positive experience that happened either um, at a club 
on a set, something with another actor, or a director, or another comedian that, that you see as a positive ex- life experience? That's another great question. A lot of a lot of the times, the best experience for me at a club, aside from performing, is getting to work with other comedians who are uh, more seasoned. And, you know, sometimes in that green room, you never know what the atmosphere is going to be like. Sometimes a comedian will walk in and they just don't want to talk to anyone, you know, because they're so so much better than everyone else. But then sometimes you'll you'll meet a comedian or two who are just, they're really friendly and, and open to questions. And I mean, we all get starstruck in our own way, right? Like I'm not talking about big stars here, but just comedians that I really respect. Like there's one I love, her name's Lori Kilmartin. And I've had the fortune of working with her, but I remember I've been in a green room with her a few times and just the conversations we've had are just, they, they were great experiences for me. And it was just talking to her, right? Like one person to another, a little bit of a comedy, but then also about just life. And I think those are the experiences that people don't get to see that only happen between comedians that are in, in a green room or in a setting where if you're on the road together, things like that. And I, and I really love those moments a lot. That's great. I love to hear that. And it reminds me, um, I grew up across the street from Mitzi Shore and Paul. Oh, wow. So my, my, ch- my childhood Holy cow. Was, was spent at the comedy store. Incredible. Like in her office, peeking through her little peephole that she had that looked down on the stage. You know, my best friend was Peter Shore, who was yeah. Paulie's older brother. And that house was just, you know... It, it, it was amazing. You'd wake up, you know, Saturday morning to like watch cartoons and like Sam Kennison, and, like you know, it's like everybody's there hanging out. Hey, kid. Um, you I'm know, like kid. yeah, exactly. It was it was nuts. And th- what I saw was the camaraderie of mm-hmm. these these comedians because we were too young, pretty much. To, to go into the belly room or to like, you know, whatever. We didn't really get to it, but we could peek in or, and, and I, I always, it was just something that I saw that, that I felt as a kid was like that these people really, they were, they loved each other, you know, it was something they all did. And it was like they all, something yeah. they all experienced that feeling of going on stage and, and, and either like, you know, killing or dying. You know, and it's like going to war, you know. And Sonia, that's a good reason to ask you this next question is we have two special segments that we do. And one one of them, Chris brought up these, you know, that the the experience that everybody has. Right. Everybody has the experience. We're all doing it. We all we we love each other because we're all up there doing it. So one of the questions we ask, because all actors, all performers have gone through it. We heard about a performance where you were booed, but we always ask for people's worst audition story ever. And it could be an audition, you know, I know you've done some TV work and some stage work and, and, you know, Shakespeare and everything in between, but it could be an audition that you had for a TV show. It could be with a casting person, but it could also be uh, you had to show somebody at a club, you know, a two-minute set or you had to prove yourself. Like, give us something that, you know, the other actors are going to listen to and say, like, oh, man, if she got through that, I can get okay, through Okay, this, this one is crazy, and I, I will never forget this audition. But it was in New York, and it was for some off-off-Broadway play, right? And I think they gave us sides, and we had to perform. But then at one point, I remember there was another audition. I was alone with the director, 
in in a theater, right? Oh, shit. He asks me to show him to take off my shoes and show him my feet. I oh. can't even. I don't. And wow. I was so young that I was like, somehow this feels worse than taking off my clothes. Right? <laughs> there was something so. Wow. I will never forget that. That's unbelievable. (laughs) Your feet. My feet, of all things. Yeah, of all things. But I will tell you, he told me I had beautiful feet. So I don't know. I don't know why I'm not bigger in this in this business, guys. I don't know why. (laughs) Your feet your feet are huge in Paris. They're amazing, yeah. That's right. I love it. That's well, that's a good one. Uh, everybody beware. It's not just uh, it's not just take off your top or anything else. We know all the sexism in this business, and uh, it's uh, disgusting. But watch out for the shoes, apparently. All right. Exactly. All right. How do you forget that, right? How do you that? I'll never forget that. I'm not sure if when I see you in person next, I'll be able to forget that. That's... <laughs> right. So let's see him. Let's Exactly. No. That's right. It's, well, we can't. No, we can't one, hear them. One and done, right? Yeah, one yeah. and done. Exactly. Yeah, we, we can't hear them. Yeah. Well, Sonia, we usually end each segment, and we are kind of coming to the end, with a best piece of advice question we ask all our guests. Hopefully, maybe you could leave our listeners with a best piece of advice. Maybe for a comedian, for an actor, for a human in life, whatever you want to share. I, I mean, I, a lot of times I have younger uh, comedians come to me and ask me for advice. And it, it's, I, you know, I feel so uh, blessed and honored when people do that because it's such a, it's such a nice thing for them to think, oh, well, they care about my opinion, you know, about comedy. But the first thing I say is if you can do anything else and be happy, do it. <laughs> That's just, it's true. I think choosing to be comedian, especially even as an actor, as a comedian, as a performer, you are choosing such a difficult life. And I think knowing that in theory and knowing that in reality are two different things. And if you can be happy in anything else, why not? Right? It's it's a it's a more steady life. It's not a roller coaster. It's just not for everybody. That's my first piece of advice. And then once they say that to uh, the comedian, they're like, okay, okay, fine. What what else? Right? And then right. my next my next piece of advice is just keep going. Right? Keep going. Mm. That's how you get better. You practice that deliberate practice, getting the feedback working on your craft and uh, keep going as long as you can. So either don't do it or keep going. That's that, those are my two pieces. Of advice. I like that. I'm writing that down. Just keep, just keep going. Don't right. do it yeah. or don't give up. That's yeah, right. That's good. Yes. Don't do yeah. it or don't give up. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I love it. Fantastic. I think we're going to wrap up and Sonia, it's been great to have you on. And again, I want to say thank you because we're as the podcast uh, expands, we're talking to we'll be talking to television writer and showrunner in a few episodes. We have some directors that are going to come on. We're Chris and I were talking about trying to have some casting folks on, and so to have someone who's not only a great actor but a great stand-up comedian, I think will give listeners another kind of an interesting perspective. So thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you guys for having me on. I love it. I love the episodes that I've heard so far, and I can't wait to hear more. Thank you, Sonia Vai. 
Well, it's been another great 20 minutes with you, my friend. And you too, brother. It's been fun. Yeah, that was great. Cool. I thought that was awesome. All right, star, star that. That was terrific. And we got another great guest coming up next week, so be sure to tune in again to Confessions of a Working Actor. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.